Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway, and with me, as usually, is uh, is Jeremy Finestone. He's not here this week, however, he is off. But we have a fantastic uh, guest host uh, today joining us here, the host of the Five Star Joshi Show, one of the really better analytical minds in wrestling today, someone whose work I really respect here, uh, Scott Edwards. Scott, thank you so much for filling in this week and uh, talking New Japan with us. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I, uh, I don't get to talk New Japan all the time, and this is an interesting week for me to get to talk New Japan because, you know, obviously they're not having any shows, but there's right. plenty going on, so I'm plenty happy to be here. Yeah, plenty going on. And uh, we already have Colin in the house. Colin, thanks for watching live. Thanks to everybody who's uh, watching live. And also thanks to anyone who's listening to the podcast feed or watching on YouTube later here on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. We're grateful. Uh, Jeremy will be back next week. We'll be uh, He'll be back. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to be uh, talking some things. Now, uh, Scott, you've been going through a lot of really good uh, Joshi wrestling. This is a rare little break in the New Japan schedule. And yet, uh, it seems like uh, Stardom, New Japan, keeps weaving its way through almost every other promotion in the business. There's a, a, a lot of talk about a former uh, former women's champion, IWGP women's champion, of course, showing up at All In. Will Ospreay had a big presence at All In, obviously. So uh, these things uh, weave their way through all of uh, wrestling. We're going to be talking about CMLL, Impact, All Japan, all on the show today. So uh, it's a pretty exciting time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, having uh, New Japan as part of your product, I think, is like the very popular plan for a lot of these companies now. I mean, we're coming off a day where the New Japan Strong Openweight title was defended on Dynamite, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's things like that. It's almost like you don't notice it now because it just happens all the time. I think Sonata's wrestling on, like, a regular Impact television show tonight. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, that's crazy. It's just, there's just so much going on. But uh, it's great to see because more eyes on New Japan, more eyes on the overall products over in Japan. That's a benefit to, you know, you and me because we're, we're the ones doing the shows here so uh i'll yeah. take i'll take it anytime well let's go into what is the elephant in the room in pro wrestling right now which is the all-in show now there are plenty of ways to break down the entire show that's not what we're here for but there were a couple of things about all-in that do tie in mercedes Monet, of course uh, a former iwgp women's champion and uh, we believe supposed to be the NJPW Strong Women's Champion at one point when she injured her ankle was indeed at All In. Now, from what we hear, she was in a pretty heavy walking boot and certainly not healed up from whatever her injury was. She's been very coy about that. But she was in attendance right there. And we do expect to be seeing her more either on AEW Stardom New Japan promotion somewhere in there, although nothing officially has been announced. And uh yeah, just your your overall thoughts on that, if you could. I know it's very general because we just don't know a whole lot. I mean, the moment Mercedes Monet like you know stepped outside of the world of WWE, my opinion was that everyone should be trying to put her on their shows. She is the biggest women's wrestling star there is right now, besides like you know those that are in WWE, which is still like she's still in that conversation. You know, because she was the biggest when she left, in my opinion. Um, so AEW finally featuring her on screen, even 
is a big plus. I don't think that she's going to go like AEW all, you know, full time or anything just because I think one, I don't think she wants to wrestle full time. You know, I think I think she's enjoying her current deal. I think she's going to be more of a special attraction for the likes of AEW, New Japan, Stardom even. Like, I think that is what she likes to do. And she's making a lot of money doing it. So, like, why would you why would you change that and wrestle on a weekly basis? Unless that's what she wanted to go back to. But I just don't see that happening. Well, there's obviously a lot of money in being a Brock Lesnar or Edge type of worker these days. And companies are willing to accommodate that under special circumstances. Not everybody can get that deal. But Mercedes Monet isn't any other star. She's basically the kind of female star that could. Uh, get something like that so yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised at all either scott I, I, if she didn't go full-time anywhere and just took those special bookings one a month one every yeah. other month or something for big shows big money and uh, I, I wouldn't blame her for doing so it, the only thing too with aew is i just find it hard to believe and we'll see it's it's a challenge for her to come back full-time with vince mcmahon in charge because he's the reason she left in the first place or his regime and his style of booking and there were a lot to be fair there were more reasons than that uh probably named laurenitis but anyway but not all those people are there but they would have a better shot if paul levesque were still in charge but he was and she didn't come back yeah well uh, you know it's it's yeah i think you know the the idea is but what but we'll well you know if they get into a bidding war wwe can outbid aew but she might not want to go back there yeah, to me, her appearing on AEW kind of eased any thoughts of her ever going back, or at least anytime soon for me. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think, like, and I, I said this earlier, but she has so many things she still wants to do, right? She wants to have that Tokyo Dome match. She's going to have that Tokyo Dome match. I'm like willing to put money on that. If, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would put money on her being at Wrestle Kingdom and wrestling. Um, they're setting up that match with Julia obviously like that is that is i think that's as locked in as any match could be for someone (laughs) that hasn't wrestled in months um and i think this is just good news now i said this and i'll say it again if you're bringing in mercedes monet into your product if you're AEW, everything has to change because you're paying her top money she's not going to be the top just the top paid woman in the women's division no she's going to be top five in the company if you're bringing her in in any form. So you're going to have to give her the time to tell whatever story she's going to tell. We know, or we've at least heard rumors that her match at forbidden door was supposed to be with Soraya, who is the current AEW women's world champion Soraya. It's starting to click in my head of why Mercedes may be uh, coming in sooner than not. I mean, Tony Khan just said that he would like to have Mercedes Monet on this wrestle dream Antonio Noki show that mm-hmm. they're doing. Well, it says tribute to Antonio Noki. I don't know if it's really an Antonio Noki show. It's a little um, puzzling. It's a little puzzling. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, because it's. Uh, I, I can't imagine everything working out for him on that show or anything. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> talk about that, like you said. So, yeah, well, um, it's not like anything goes wrong at AEW shows anyway. But the uh, we did have all in on Sunday. It was very very impressive. Eighty one thousand thirty five paid. It looks like that is a real number, and it would be an all time paid attendance uh, record. The only shows. Uh, would uh, that would that would beat it? Would be those uh, North Korean shows where people were literally ordered to attend and it wasn't paid attendance. Yeah. Uh, but eighty one thousand thirty five they put in that building, and 
one of the featured matches. It was a New Japan talent for now. Uh, and it was <laughs> Will Ospreay uh, who faced and defeated Chris Jericho. Now, you know, the, the thing about this is, you know, Will had a busy weekend. He was going through a couple of different uh, shows, uh, Rev Pro uh, the night before, which we're, we're going to talk about that show because it featured a lot of New Japan talent. And this one, in front of 81,000, they put him over. And I mentioned when Power Bombshells were doing the preview of it, that it's a heck of a way to woo a guy that you're interested in signing is putting him over on one of the biggest shows of the year over one of your biggest stars. He has all but said he is leaving. He hasn't said it officially, but all indications are that he is headed to AEW when his contract with New Japan runs out at the end of the year. And there are other signs that things are aligning in this direction. You mentioned Wrestle Dream, a new AEW pay-per-view that is taking place October 1st against all logic and reason. And I say that because, first of all, it's the Sunday night football game that night. I believe is the Jets and the Chiefs. So you have Aaron Aaron Rodgers in his new home with the Jets taking on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So you basically have a world heavyweight title fight there uh, in the NFL. That's going on the night they're doing this. They are calling it a tribute to Antonio Inoki, which might just be the coincidence that it's October 1st and Inoki passed away a year ago on October 1st. But of course, as soon as he says that, the speculation begins that there's going to be a heavy Japanese presence on this show. Exact. He, he, I was going to say, he didn't help that today in the no. media call. He pretty much said he hopes that there is. Well, that would be lovely, except uh, temper your expectations on that. And I, I'm speaking to anybody who thinks that that's going to happen because there are shows booked for October 1st. New Japan has uh, a show that has the complete card listed and Tony likes to use who? Tomohiro Ishii, Suzuki, Tanahashi. All of them are booked. Uh, let's see, who else is it? Shingo Takagi, Yoda Suji, Shota Umino, Naito, uh, Hiromu, Okada, all of just five guys, all of Bullet Club. There are three people who are of consequence who aren't on the card for October 1st. It's Will Ospreay and Bishimo, Yoshihashi and uh, Hiroki Goto. Osprey is on the early Road to Destruction tour, and then he does he has a match at Destruction in Kobe. Then he's not on the House Show tour leading up to Destruction in Rio Goku. There are other members of the United Empire on that tour, but after Kobe, Will kind of drops off the lineups for a little while. It seems probable to me that he will be at Wrestle Dream. Uh, that seems like too much of a coincidence that he's not. I don't know about Bishamon. I, they, they've had. Yoshihashi and Goto on AEW shows before, but again, nothing announced yet. Those are really the only three of any consequence, Scott, that are that aren't booked that day. And you were saying, as far as the female presence goes, Stardom has a show that day too, right? <laughs> Stardom not only has a show that day in Cork and Hall, the same location that New Japan has their show that day, yeah. but they have the five star Grand Prix finals 24 hours before. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, uh, I mean, I mean, who, so, Again, we're talking people of consequence that aren't in the five-star. There are a few because Stardom's roster is so deep. But you tweeted out a picture of Tekla earlier. If you, is that would be if, if someone's going to go from Stardom and be on this show somewhere in some form, yeah. uh, even if it's just maybe face an AEW star like Athena or something like that and lose or, uh, but, or Statlander or something, uh, Tekla would probably be a, a choice who's somebody that they could spare for the night. 
that would be my top choice. Um, I think it makes the most sense in terms of someone who not only speaks English and can kind of build that match a little bit, you know, just by sending in a promo. Uh, but she's obviously very talented and she's not part of the tournament. So, you know, you don't have to worry about that. I saw some people be like, well, Sue Suzuki, technically, you know, her match is canceled on the Jeep on the tournament night because of Sayaka Matani. But that doesn't matter because she's still going to be in contention probably on that night. So you're going to have her in on location. And it, it, to me, it's just, it doesn't work out. And I feel like sometimes Tony says these things without actually knowing, um, which is a problem. It's a problem because I think people's hopes get up. That's why he said, I would like to have Mercedes Monet because she checks both boxes and we can just, you know, move on. Right. Um, I just want to say on Osprey, you know, before we kind of move away from that, I'm not saying it's contract tampering, but the nicest thing I've ever seen someone do <laughs> for a person that doesn't work for their company is give them a premier singles match in an 80,000 <laughs> fan arena in their home country and a win. That's probably the nicest thing I've ever seen happen. So uh, I'm not saying it's tampering, but it's uh, it's a very, 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 very nice gesture ahead of uh his free agency, but uh, yeah, I look forward to MJF versus Will Ospreay and uh, at uh, Revolution or <laughs> something because I uh, I can't imagine him uh, staying just because I think they're going to they're going to bring get the Brinks truck, they're going to get another Brinks truck, and then we're like, hey, you want this? Here you go. <laughs> and I can't uh, imagine him saying no. Yeah, I agree with you. And the he's he's all but said it. And we're going to get into a, some of the reasons a little while where it's incredibly difficult for New Japan and Stardom to to get and keep some of these foreign uh, wrestlers. But you're right. I mean, as I, I just thought if he went, if he beats Chris Jericho, he's definitely going. And, yeah. and it's probably already been decided that he's going. And of course he did. Uh, you know, it's, and again, it is possible that New Japan could pull people off of that October 1st show there at Korakuen, but New Japan really doesn't like to do that. That's kind of yeah. a WWE thing with the bait and switch, and that's something that the Japanese companies in particular, really everybody except WWE, really tries hard to avoid doing, is advertising, hey, buy your ticket and see these people and say, oh, well, you're not actually going to see those people. They hate that. And so... I don't think you're going to see some big announcement from New Japan saying, well, actually, Okada is not going to be here. He's going to go hmm. over to the I, it's just not the way they do things. No. And so it would be incredibly rare if something like that happens. So, again, Bishamon and Osprey and Bishamon is booked on the October 3rd show, uh, which is possible playing right. Not a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you, you probably have to drink some uh, some of that really good canned coffee that they had over there and get over that jet lag before going to the ring, but it, it can be done. Um, I remember what uh, was it Hulk Hogan said he worked uh, 400 days a year, Scott, uh, yeah, because, because he he went over there because of the international dateline when he would go to Japan, he would gain a day. So he actually wrestled 400 days that year. He forgot oh, that you boy. could give it back when you go hulk anyway uh but but yes it is possible but that that's a rough plane ride i've i've, I've taken that trip and it's uh takes a little while to get over that but it's it's doable people have done it so yeah uh that rev pro show on the 26th so that, I mean, that was really the only new japan presence uh on uh, all in and there's a million places to learn more about that very very impressive show that they did again it, anytime you can get eighty one thousand people to pay i mean it's only happened 
never before in wrestling to get that many people on in one day paid. So good job, Tony. Uh, Fulham, his the football team his dad owns, they they uh, drew with Arsenal in a big surprise. So he had a good weekend until uh, Jungle Boy and uh, CM Punk knocked some monitors onto his lap there. He was having a real good weekend until then. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the Rev Pro Show, August 26th. This had a lot of New Japan wrestlers on it, so I'm going to go over it real quick here. This was their 11th anniversary show of Rev Pro. Rev Pro is a place where a lot of uh, wrestlers in uh, New Japan had their excursions, Yoda Suji being one of them. And uh, there have been Shota. others, but Shota. Shota Umino was uh, here uh, quite a bit. And then, of course, they've signed a lot of Rev Pro talent over the years. And uh, Drilla Maloney was on this show. He uh, took a loss to Leon Slater. That was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, Slater uh, apparently moving up in the ranks there. Uh, they put uh, him over Maloney. So Maloney, of course, uh, one half of the uh, junior tag champs with uh, Clark Connors. So, yeah. And uh, J.J. Gale defeated Kosei Fujita on that show. And I'm just going to run down these things. There's not a whole lot of analysis to be done with it, but I just wanted to mention where some of the New Japan talent has been in this break between the G1 finals and the Road to Destruction Tour. El Fantasmo and Katsuyori Shibata teamed up to defeat uh, David Finlay Jr. and Gabriel Kidd on that show. I bet that was a pretty good match. And it then, was. Good match. Yeah. Oh, did you actually get to see this? Yeah, I saw the whole show. Oh, good. Uh, how did Fujita and, and Maloney love? I mean, let's talk about that then, if you can get just your thoughts real quick. I kind of put you yeah, on the spot here. Um, I didn't tell you we were going to do this. But. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Maloney and Slater had a fine opening match. I thought Kosei Fujita, I think I said like, I don't, I've said a few times recently, like he's a locked in guaranteed star for this company. And mm -hmm. that was just another one of those times. Like he just, I, I don't know if I've seen a guy get it this early, like, but he gets it. It's like it's the reason he's a young lion to faction to a faction so quickly. Um, and seeing him in these spots, yeah, he's to me, he is like he doesn't need a big excursion. I just think they should just keep rolling with them. And based off of uh situations outside of New Japan, maybe excursions aren't the best idea right now. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. That's, that's a fair point. And you're right about Fujita. I guess he's going to go over to Australia and work there. That makes little, sense, I guess. I I suppose, but they don't do a ton of shows over there. I don't know. I, I have a feeling we might be seeing him back a little quicker than most yeah. uh, young lions anyway. I think that's yeah. very, very possible. I, I am curious to see, like, Oiwa. Oiwa's not even leaving the country. Oiwa's going to stay with uh, Noah. So they're already trying some different things with young lions, which yeah. they warned us they were going to do. Uh, I'm not sure Bolton Oleg is even going to get an excursion, but we'll. I wouldn't give him one. <laughs> I would. I would I keep him. Either. Uh, yeah, keep him. I, he's going to title match. I mean, yeah. Well, and then there's circumstances around that title match. There are dominoes that could fall that could really make that interesting. So, yeah. uh, this is an interesting one here too. Uh, Zach Saber Jr. defeating Ricky Knight Jr. Uh, and as Brian Alvarez pointed out, neither of these guys actual juniors, both phony juniors. But uh, <laughs> there is no Jack. There's no Zach Saber uh, Senior, by the way. And uh, Ricky Knight Jr. I don't think is the son of Ricky Knight. That's uh, in the family, but it's like one of those lucha libre things where you're not literally the the son. Either way, uh, but he is part of Soraya's family ricky knight jr is yes i believe somewhere in there aunt. Ah, okay. is oh, aunt. It's, yeah. it's her nephew okay so uh i would imagine zach and ricky probably did pretty well there 17 minutes 33 seconds so they had a lot of faith that they could uh, go a while yeah yeah i think zach's just on another level this year mm. 
I think like every match he's having is kind of must see. Um, Ricky Knight Jr. like was a really good underdog babyface a year ago, and the, this is the first time I think I've saw him since he beat Osprey, and now he's a heel. And I was like, <laughs> all right, maybe not not working for me necessarily, but uh, match itself was good. Like it's it's what you'd expect, I think, out of Zach, especially at this point. Now the next two that we're going to talk about are basically in competition from everyone I've heard. It's either this one or the main event or the best match on the show. Tomohiro Ishii defeating Luke Jacobs in just under 18 minutes. Ishii, we've talked about him. He has an Ishii match in the same way. Well, it's very different than, but in the same way that a Ric Flair match hits certain notes, you know you're going to get those notes, but you don't mind because you love the song so much. Ishii has a match like that. It's an Ishii match. And I heard that this is yet another example of Ishii taking a guy, having an Ishii match, and everyone just loving it and being into it at the end. Was was that your impression also? Yeah, I mean, I think Luke Jacobs is excellent. He has, and I'm not saying he is him, but he has young Walter vibes. Hmm. Gunther. Nothing wrong with that. WWE, like he has that same kind of uh, look, but the offense and I think I think he's only 23 years old. Like I I see him and I'm like get him in a G1, get him in something. Like I think he is someone that over time can really develop to be one of the better uh British wrestlers we've seen in the past couple of years. I think he's excellent and he really showed it here against Ishii. He's had two great matches this year, Luke Jacobs, and they're the only two matches I've seen. So maybe there's more. Uh but I saw one against Will Ospreay earlier this year that was really great and now here with Ishii. I thought this was actually better than the main event. So take that for what you will. Yeah. And that goes back and forth. Kind of depends on who you talk to, what you thought was the best one. We're bringing up something there that Luke Jacobs might be one of the, the best next generation of UK wrestlers. There was that almost a golden generation we had a few years ago where all these guys that were in NXT UK and uh, more than just those guys, but you know, we had NXT UK was one of the better shows on TV when it was on. Like there was so much yeah. really good talent on there. And what you wonder is after that kind of faded out because there was an indie boom in the UK that sort of got sucked dry by NXT UK by signing those guys. And so those well, guys that go and, and something else. Well, there was well, I mean, let's talk about it. There was there was a real me too type of problem where yeah. a lot of misbehavior was also made public as people yeah. became brave enough to share their stories. So a lot of guys got run out of the business a little bit or at least marginalized. And from what we heard, needed to be. Some haven't come back yet. Uh, and we don't necessarily miss them. There are others who have, uh, you know, were, were soaked up by there was another a chance to. Uh, revive world of sport which was the wrestling show for years and years on uk tv they tried to revive that didn't quite work some other guys were signed exclusively to nxt uk so a lot of those indies kind of dried up and you started to wonder well where is the next generation starting to come from we're starting to see the seeds uh, the little saplings of these younger talent starting they're not there yet but boy there's some real potential over there yeah, I mean, if you want my, if you want the cheap pop, uh, Mariah May obviously is like <laughs> the crown jewel of the British scene these days. Um, no, but no uh, one, no one's career has gone further in this calendar year, I think, than her, than hers. I, it, I can't think of somebody, and there are people who have had a great year, but I, I can't think of someone who's gone further. I mean, to say she's had six, uh, like seventy percent of her matches now this year, 
Like Amazing. that tells you all you need to know though, right? Um, but yeah, I think I think the scene, especially like if you watch this Rev Pro show, there are people to keep tabs on. I know Leon Slater is receiving a lot of hype. Um, obviously he beat Maloney, so that should tell you a lot right off the bat. Um, Luke Jacobs, as we talked about. I know Ricky Knight Jr. is someone that a lot of people are a fan of. I think he's only like 24, 25. Uh, they're all like a lot of these guys that they're pushing, which is a good thing, is are really young. So mm-hmm. like there's hope long term that hopefully they can kind of be the start of what um, I think British wrestling desperately needs. And that's could be something the Japanese wrestling desperately needs because we're going to get into why things are getting trickier when it comes to foreigners here. And that brings us to our main event where Will Ospreay, of course, headlined against Shingo Takagi. These two are incapable of having anything but a great match with one another. Uh, This was another example of it. 20 minutes and nine seconds. Will defeated Shingo and he held on to the, you know, he still has that UK US title. I don't think this was a title match, but it was uh, not. It was not, yeah. But I do believe Zack Sabre Jr. has made noise about challenging Will for that, possibly at Royal Quest 3. Yeah. We mentioned that Will has all but said he's going. That puts his title in some serious jeopardy at Royal Quest 3. Nothing in stone yet, but, you know, you got to wonder. And with the comments he's made, with the feeling that this is going to be the one of the hottest free agents in all of wrestling, it's worth mentioning some of the economic issues in Japan right now when it comes to people, because there's all these rumors that Mariah May may be leaving stardom also after this year where you just think, well, it's just a, a revelation. And, you know, that that word travels fast. But the weak Japanese yen is a real problem. I don't mean to just get into a whole financial thing here, but right now foreign wrestlers are 30% more expensive than they were in 2009. Yeah. 19. 19, excuse me, 2019, 30% more expensive. And that's how far the the yen has fallen against the dollar. This is why that's a problem too, because this is going on in New Japan at a time when attendance is not as high as it was in 2019. So you have smaller crowds in a company that's based on ticket sales still. It doesn't have the big TV contracts. You know, they're still, it's about selling tickets and selling merchandise. That's down from 2019, and now the, the guys are 30% more expensive than they were then. Start them in a slightly different boat. The 30% thing is still true, but they're about the only company in the world whose uh, crowds increased during the yeah. pandemic. So that's 200% a, was a number at one point. <laughs> 200%. Think about that. Now, that doesn't mean that they still don't feel that 30% crunch. I and mean, it's it's tricky. So yep. if you are traveling to Japan, this is wonderful news. Everything is basically 30% cheaper than when he last went. But, uh, it, it, and I'm, I'm only speaking about that as I price things for my next trip whenever we can do it. But they can still get people. But big names that are really coveted by American companies are going to be difficult and especially long-term because the companies don't know when all this will improve or turn around and it's not up to them. So we heard about Aussie open making some statements still very, very polite. They love new Japan. They've never said anything bad about it, but they mentioned that one of the reasons they took the AEW deal is because there was some long-term aspect to it, long-term for wrestling, but multi-year, a little stability 
that they weren't going to be able to get from New Japan. So they wanted to take the AEW deal. I think, again, we're talking probably multiple years and more money for Will. Possibly the same thing for Mariah whenever she is get takes that deal. And so this is why I bring up the young talent in England. That's where a lot of uh, New Japan talent has come from, foreign talent. They've gotten guys from England. The very first uh, Black Tiger was Mark Rocco, Rollerball Rocco. Dynamite Kid came from England, you know, and he was one of the biggest rivals of Tiger Mask. So there is a long historical precedent of this. And, of course, Zack Sabre, Will Ospreay, you know, a lot of guys have come from England. So the fact that there is some young talent coming up that isn't going to be six-figure deal talent yet, maybe someday will be, could end up being very important for companies like New Japan and Stardom as they try to replace some of the foreign talent that they kind of end up getting too expensive. That's my, well, Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> I think when it comes to, you know, the yen and, and the pricing, it's going to hurt ultimately New Japan more than anyone. Yeah. Because when to give the stardom aspect of this, they're used to having wrestlers come in and then move on. Like, that's just pretty much their model when it comes to foreign wrestlers. Uh, you know, most of the wrestlers you love in AEW, for example, are from stardom. You know, Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm. Britt Baker was even there. You know, it's like there was if if you really enjoy wrestling, they probably hit stardom and they're used to that. So like the prospect of Mariah May leaving isn't shocking. I think <laughs> if anyone was uh in in the in the know or just used to stardom, they were like, all right, we give it a year, probably. And <laughs> you you know, Mariah May is someone that any big company should go and get. Um, but with New Japan, I think they've always just done such a great job of not only keeping these guys but making them their own right mm -hmm. zach will for example i know jay white's different but you know he's not from british uh he's not from england but still he is a foreign wrestler who they made their own and i know he went through the system and stuff like that but it's it just depends and like the excitement is like you said that there are these new young wrestlers because that's probably who they're ultimately going to take from because of the rev pro relationship and stuff like that i would love to see um, them maybe hopefully take more from you know cmll for example bring more talent over more frequently than just fantastica mania and stuff like that um besides just teton love teton but more than just teton like that's where new japan's gonna have to work and i've been saying this for a while there's so much talent in aw that doesn't do anything yeah that i think there should be eventually like kind of that work together where you can send over a keith lee for if he was interested of course but right. you could send over a wrestler like that for three months and they can have a whole tour and a whole story, and then they can go back, right? Lance yeah. Archer, I mean, Lance Archer, I'm pretty sure would love to be in New Japan right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So seems like it would be. I think there's a perfect mix for New Japan, and the yen's still going to hurt them. But ultimately, if if they can use their relationships, they can still have the Will Ospreys of the world once in a while at least, which is better than not at all, which not at all is WWE. Yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, the, the whole, you're right. And and maybe those short-term swings 
which goes back to the roots of Japanese wrestling, is might be the way to go. Uh, that This whole idea of taking foreign guys and making them their own isn't exclusive to ghetto, but it's kind of a ghetto thing. You know, since he's been the booker before that, it was, you know, Brock Lesnar had a run in New Japan, but wasn't there full time by any means. And other guys were like that. And in the past, you would do the tour, right? You know, you go over for three weeks and you'd wrestle there and then go back and you wouldn't, it would be very rare for somebody to just stay a long time. Even Dynamite Kid would come in, do those runs with Tiger Mask, but then he would go back to Calgary for a while. And and think, so the idea of somebody just staying there for years is relatively new. And they might have to go back to something like shorter term runs for foreign wrestlers where they come in, have their run on top, lose to the remaining Japanese guys, and then have to head on home. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it it worked for decades in Japan. It's just a little bit different than what New Japan's been doing. In many ways, what Bronson Reed did or Jonah Mm -hmm. or whatever his name is, like that might be the mold they have to do for now on. The Bronson Reed thing is... It really struck me, and of course, the only reason it happened like that was because WWE signed him back, and sure. you know, Triple H got him back. Otherwise, I think he would still be there. But it did hit home to me that it was just, oh, this is just like when you know Inoki would bring a guy in, and he mm-hmm. would he would threaten him, beat the hell out of him in tag team matches, and then Inoki would win in the end. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what Okada did in that, especially when Okada was sort of being portrayed as the new Inoki before they made yes. him get off my lawn okada with uh, shoda <laughs> shoda and ren which i'm enjoying by the way i, I like and, this and you know new japan's gone back to the relationships within japan too to help their yeah. roster and help yes that that has been just as big a part i think in this excitement that comes with them right mm-hmm. you know i mean kiyomiya obviously that's colin just named yeah. um he's a big part um i know they're all they send to other shows is mostly like the old fellas um, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in a little bit, but they also sending some of the you know main stars. I think Naito did an all Japan show last year, which is obviously a big deal, and that's also their best strategy is working with those that are within the country. <laughs> Plus, I think if you set up a uh, not too many people in Japan have in Tokyo anyway have backyards or Osaka, but if you set up a ring in your backyard, I'm pretty sure you can book a Romo Takahashi, he's working yeah. for everybody in the world. Yeah, he's worked for I think every company that's not named WWE. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) I think so. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but here's Colin's uh, thing for the folks that are just listening on the podcast. Oh, he was teaming up with Kato Kiyomiya on September 3rd at the NOAA N1 Victory Final Show. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. So the idea of sending somebody on excursion just over to NOAA to work with Kiyomiya is is fascinating to me that's a that's a little new we haven't seen a whole lot of that and of course they sent all of suzuki goon over to noah for a while but that was when uh ghetto and Jado were kind of co-booking both companies and there was they, a little more symmetry back then they were sending the young lines to all japan for a little bit too with mm-hmm. uh, nagata they sent them yeah. for a few shows so yeah right. i oh, like nagata that fans. strategy i know yeah, Nagata's now done but with all japan i think he just had his final match with them but but now they have kojima so they do go. have Kojima. Yeah. Oh, they I sure know. do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, the Resident Evil is watching as well. Hello. Uh, glad you're here. Um, let's see. Now, there. so anyway, we'll have to see how this foreign talent thing uh, works itself out, but we could be seeing some changes in uh, that regard. So, 
Speaking of guys that are traveling around uh, to different places, uh, there are people who have been visiting uh, places they have been in the past. And one of them is our IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata, who just worked for Impact Wrestling for the first hmm. time since 2014. And on August 27th, same day as All In, he was in Toronto, uh, where he wrestled Jake something. And uh, at their, uh, and, I, and I'm not forgetting his name. That's his wrestling name, Jake something. I always sound like I'm forgetting it. But uh, that is indeed uh, his name. There's a little clip from the match right there, a uh, photo. And uh, he defeated him at Emergence, one of their big events. Then he went to a TV taping the next day, a match taped in Toronto on the 28th. And on tonight's edition of Impact, here on the 31st, he'll be teaming with Jake something. And, and the photo I have here for the folks listening is them shaking hands after the match. So all respect between the two of them teaming up with Frankie Kazarian to face Moose, Eddie Edwards, and Brian Myers. So uh, Impact, the champ over there uh, in Impact, and uh, going back to uh, where he spent a year from 2014 to 2015. So, uh, yeah. If anyone cares, he wore the great Sonata gear in his entrance, and it was awesome. I was like, that's awesome. I was very happy about that. He he actually had a better match with Jake something than uh, Jack Perry. So, Oh, okay. So that match was better than his jungle. Well, you know, it. Jake is Jake's better than Perry is, so that's that yeah. does help. And then you know yeah. he might he and also I mean to be honest, he heard the criticism that he had a crummy match with Perry, and when he go Wasn't goes back fault. to Toronto, that's where it happened. And then you know he, uh, I think he was probably a little bit motivated to show a little more this time. So yeah, Jack, yeah, Jack Perry, cry me a river. All right, continue. Sorry, had to do it. Had to do it. Yeah, I know that I, I I'm aware <laughs> that I'm I'm aware that I'm old. I'm aware of this. I'm aware of this. And wrestling locker rooms, for the most part, are better places now than they were in the 1990s when, you know, the, the drugs were rampant and there was still a lot of carnyism. And uh, it, I understand that it's a better place now and the guys help each other out more and things. And, I, and we've had some drama in the past. But that's really an anomaly. <laughs> One of the reasons this stands out so much, the CM Punk drama, is because it doesn't happen much anymore. I mean, it used to happen all the friggin' time. Yeah. At the same time, Jack Perry. <laughs> What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, wait, wait, I, I'm not saying that CM Punk should have choked him. I'm not saying that. I, I don't. I don't condone. Allegedly. That. Well, well, yeah, allegedly. Um, who the hell is Jack? <laughs> Jack, Jack, you're barely hanging on. Okay. If, if there's one thing your heel turn has proven is that your song was a lot more over than you were, kiddo. And <laughs> like going after the number one star in that end of the company. And I know there's two ends of the company now, but if you want to go down that corridor where those people are allowed to be in their dressing rooms, as opposed to the other one where those people are allowed to be in their dressing rooms, you pick, you went after the number one guy when you're impressing virtually nobody. And I just can't fathom at the biggest show ever at the biggest show ever and you're gonna get uh, and i again if cm punk attacked him physically backstage shouldn't have done it shouldn't have done it at the same time shut up just 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 shut up do your batch with hook try to get through this because right now you're impressing no one with this heel run and just oh man do you remember when uh it was reported like some wrestler was like I went home in a bad mood from work or something a few months yeah. ago. And I, and I remember saying, that's definitely Jack Perry. I remember yeah. vividly saying, do we hate CM Punk? And I am I feel pretty right about it. Um, yeah, I'll later. Right. But back to Impact. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Back to Impact. Didn't they just announce uh, Osprey too? Did they? They announced Osprey for Bound for Glory. 
Bound for Glory. Oh my goodness. That, I, I I honestly hadn't heard that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize he, if I missed one. He's checking off all the boxes before he uh, signs an exclusive deal. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. He's not going to be able to do a whole lot more of that after this. Although uh, certainly AEW is a little bit more uh, lenient than uh, the <laughs> other guys up there in Connecticut. But still, uh, by the way, Sonata, th- this isn't quite him going back where he was on excursion. Because it wasn't really an excursion. He had been in Wrestle 1, which is a now defunct mm-hmm. promotion. That He was part of a mass exodus from all Japan, which is where he comes from. And they've talked about that, that he was a, a, a Muto student and all that in all Japan. And he uh, was part of a mass exodus, though, when uh, Nobu Shirashi became the president of all Japan against the wishes of just about everybody who worked for the company. So uh, then uh, there was a big mass exodus from the company. They formed Wrestle One. Muto did, and he brought Sonata with him and things. They worked with Impact and TNA, including uh, getting uh, a TNA title shot, and they were still TNA then, uh, with uh, AJ Styles when AJ was the champion. So they ended up bringing Sonata in to TNA for about a year, and he even traded the X Division uh, title with Austin Aries, if you remember old Austin. And here's a picture of Sonata. It's a little <laughs> small, so I will bring it there. There we go. There he is. The old school Sonata, very colorful and uh, with the blonde hair and uh, not a Sonata we would imagine these days. Was that Saya Sonata? Or was he Saya Sonata. Sonata. Yeah. Saya Sonata, sorry. Saya Sonata. He has, he has a lot of names that it's like... They didn't, they didn't they didn't stick like Sonata did. <laughs> no, they did not stick like Sonata did. You're right. I need to get that banner off the screen here. I'm not yeah, see this is this is why we need Jeremy. I'm, I'm, he's better at this than I am with that. There we go. Now we can see us. But uh yeah, there's uh there's Sonata back in 2014 when he was the X Division champion. Say yeah. a Sonata. What a what see. a star. Look at that X Division <laughs> title. Looks like the NXT title. It does look like the NXT title, really does. Giant X in the middle. That's an old school one right there. That's there yeah, that, that belt looks totally different now, I think. So I'm sure it anyway, does. There we go. <laughs> I just thought that was amusing to to bring that one up. And uh, someone else who's been traveling. Now, this person did go back to where they were on uh, excursion. He's been back a few times, though. But Hiromu Takahashi has been in Mexico since the 21st, uh, as it turns out. And uh, he spent his excursion there as Kamai Tachi. Kamai Tachi. And uh, that was his masked character's name. And as a matter of fact, I have a photo of Kamai uh, Tachi. And well, I'll see. Oh, jeez. Sorry. I'm such an amateur at this. All right, here we go. Kamayatachi. There we go. Now we got the photograph up. There he is. There's a Kamayatachi. Yeah, it's, it's got a really admitting. So Kamayatachi, uh, they <laughs> this is a mythical uh Japanese uh creature, uh, kind of a Japanese chupacabra, so to speak. Uh they I got this from Wikipedia. They appear riding on dust devils. And they cut people using the nails on both their hands like sickles. Ooh. So one would receive receive a sharp, painless wound. That's what a that's what a kamaitachi does. So there he was. That was his character. And it's interesting. Uh, El Desperado, when he was over there, his uh, CML character was Namahage. And Namahage is also another one of these uh, mythical Japanese creatures. And his purpose was to admonish laggards who sat around the fire idly doing nothing. Scott. That was what Namahage was. So <laughs> na- na- Namahage, a Japanese baby boomer, basically. <laughs> so that was uh, that All was right. what his that was that's their excursion characters. Anyway, that they, they are the boomers of the demon world. But uh, anyway, he, uh, Hiromba went back and spent a week. Uh, you know, they've they've done things like come back the Lij group for a big Friday show at uh, Arena Mexico. They've they've done that a few times. Right now, 
CMLL is booming on these Friday night shows in Arena Mexico. They're getting something like up to 15,000 people on every Friday night. Uh, so it's a booming business right there. And they brought in uh, LIJ uh, a few times over the years, but he was there. Uh, he'd been in Puebla, Guadalajara, as well as a couple of different shows in Mexico City. And on the uh, Super Viernes, uh, the big Friday shows on the 25th, Hiromu, Soberano Jr., and Titan defeated Atlantis Jr., Mistico, and Volador Jr. in a uh, trios match. And then on the Sunday show at Arena Mexico, they run that building three times a week. Uh, Sunday at Arena Mexico is a show in the afternoon or at least uh, early evening that's devoted more to families than the uh, Friday night shows, which if you if you watch, if you ever catch them on YouTube, there's a lot of beer drinking going on at Arena Mexico on Friday. It seems like everybody's got one of those giant Coronas. <laughs> and uh, the Sunday show, a little more family friendly. Uh, he challenged uh, Mistico for the NWA historic middleweight title match. And to show you what they think of Hiromu there, uh, they ended with uh, no contest. They didn't uh, have a finish. They had a finish. They, it was a double pin. They pinned each other at the same time. So they did not just have Hiromu put over Mistico. So we might be seeing him there some more. And of course, right now, the biggest heel in Mexico is Rocky Romero. So uh, a lot of New Japan presence lately at uh, Arena Mexico. And that's uh, that's where he's been. And uh, yeah, go ahead. My guess is that uh, because Mistico said he wanted to challenge Hiromu, Forth his title eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can push it off long enough, but uh, I will happily see them main event a Fantastica Mania show in Corkin uh, sometime next year. Please and thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, m- m- the current Mystico, we've gone over this on the show before. It's, it's just, He's, he is the Hall of Famer. The, he is, the Wrestling yeah. Observer Hall of Famer. This is the original Mystico, who is now Mystico again after being Caristico and then being Sin Cara in WWE. Yes. Not the not the later Sincar in WWE, the first Sincar in WWE. He's also one. the first and now the current Mystico. And if you're confused, so is everybody else. So, <laughs> but uh this is the other thing. When Hiromu was over there, he teamed with uh, Okamura, of course, who is a Japanese wrestler who went on excursion and never came back. Really. I mean, he only just comes back for Fantastica Mania. And uh they, they were in a tag team. And if you want to, <laughs> I'm gonna say this. They were their name as a tag team with Okamura was the Yellow Fever. Don't blame me. I didn't name them, but that was what they called them right there. So uh, uh, the, the picture of sensitivity there, uh, pro wrestling. And uh, yeah, he actually, uh, his first title, his first title, Hiromu Takahashi's, was as uh, uh, Kamaitachi, which is for some reason I'm having trouble saying Kamaitachi. He had been in CMLL and had uh, worked as a heel there, a Rudo. And he came back as Kamaitachi in uh, Japan at Fantastica Mania in 2016 and on and attacked Dragon Lee. That was where his big feud with Dragon Lee and his longtime rivalry with Dragon Lee really kicked off. Wasn't They were both in CMLL at the same time. He attacked him at Fantastica Mania 2016 in Corican Hall in a big surprise, challenged him for the world lightweight title and won it. Uh, there from Dragon Lee, and I believe that was on yeah January twenty fourth, twenty sixteen, and held it for a while. Lost it back on March fourth in Arena Mexico. So went all the way to Japan to win it. Lost it back there in Arena Mexico, and that was uh, before he went to Ring of Honor for a while. And then uh, that was uh, in March is when he lost it. In August is uh, when he came back as Hiromu Takahashi without the mask. And uh, he was the time bomb and he was the big special surprise there uh, for uh, LIJ. So that was uh, Hiromu. 
pretty cool stuff. So he's he's been doing his traveling. And the next one we wanted to talk about is uh, Satoshi Kojima. So Kojima had a big one. He uh, won the 2023 All Japan Royal Road Tournament, also on the 27th. Uh, the 27th, a big day for wrestling. And uh, Scott, you look puzzled at this one. I just don't understand, like, what, why, why Noah and why All Japan feel the need to hand the two old guys everything. No offense, I love Kojima. I thought he had a great run in Noah last year. I think Nagata was really good in All Japan. I just don't understand the need. Yeah, let's look at this because he was the Kojima I'm talking about, was the GHC champion last year for a little while, won it and then lost it. Then he goes over to All Japan and wins this tournament. This is like their New Japan Cup. This is a single elimination tournament that they have. And of course, they have the Champion Carnival as their version of G1. And but yeah, this is the thing. He gets a triple crown title shot because of this. this and weekend. Yuji Nagata just lost that triple crown title. So you've had uh, Kojima, of course, Grand Slam champion. He's won all all the tournaments. He's won all the titles. He's an all time legend and things. But and he can still wrestle. He can still wrestle. But I kind of agree that it's like, man, wouldn't you have him lose in the finals to someone you want to push? Maybe right, I, like. I'm hopeful they put over their champion Yuma Aoyagi because he's young and just won the belt and should not be losing to Kojima. Um, I like Kojima. Like I said, I think him being in an important role is good. Being Having him be your top champion just defeats the purpose for me. It is puzzling. And, uh, you know, he, he defeated Ryuki Honda in the finals and he defeated uh, Suji Ishikawa earlier in the night. Semifinals and finals were the same night. So he beat two All Japan guys in the same night to win this thing. And now I guess he's going to get a triple crown shot. So, yeah, I, you know, uh, quite a lot of accomplishments in the last couple of years for him. Now, he has a long history with All Japan. He uh, left New Japan uh, for All Japan. And uh, let me see, I'm going to look this up here. About to. Uh, 2002 is when he left. So this was when Inoki was still in charge of New Japan, and he was... The rise of MMA really freaked out Inoki in a weird way because he's always been a massive fan of it, and he always tried to put himself over as an MMA guy uh, by booking all of these martial artists to lose to him in New Japan as the top star and things, and it, and it worked. Believe me, it worked. They made huge money with Antonio Inoki beating these guys and holding the martial arts title and things like that it was a good formula for him but when things like pride k1 ufc in the united states uh started coming up enoki started melding a lot of mma into the new japan pro wrestling thinking that the traditional worked pro wrestling wasn't going to cut it anymore and what you got was a mishmash of things that nobody liked it just didn't work it didn't look good like anytime you try to Look what we saw with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. When you try to make a match look like it's real, oh, the only so thing you're bad. doing is it was it's it never looks good. And then when they had a show once that was worked matches and MMA fights, all you're doing is saying, "Okay, here are the fake guys now." You know, it, it, when you're doing pro wrestling, part of it is you're losing yourself in this little world where it's a melodrama set within a combat sports league is really what pro wrestling is. And mm -hmm. when you have MMA fights in there, you're kind of just pointing out how it's not real. And nobody wants that. Like we want to yeah. lose ourselves in this. When we go, that's part of the fun. 
And he was kind of taking that away. Well, a lot of guys left and Kojima just peaced out. He's like, no, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. He wasn't the only one, but he was one of the major ones. And when he went to all Japan, they realized what they had immediately. So he went to all Japan. He won their champion carnival tournament in 2003. He won the triple crown title twice while he was there. And then as Enoki kind of understood or was kind of moved aside or pushed aside or elbowed aside or kicked aside or whatever happened over there, you know, which has never been real made public. They started working with all Japan, new Japan did. And for instance, while he was in all Japan, Kojima and uh, Tenzan, Tenkozy won the G1 tag team tournament as while Kojima was a new Japan wrestler and Tenzan was an all, uh, in new Japan Kojima and Tenzan had a 59-minute match where they teased the uh, where they teased a one-hour draw, and then Kojima became the first person to hold the Triple Crown and the IWGP title at the same time. So, Kojima's had a long history of All Japan, and also is part of the process of a working alliance of making a working alliance between these two major companies in this era as well. So. You know, a lot of affection toward him in the new in the All Japan office, and uh, but I'm with you. I think what we saw at that show, where the All Together Again uh, show, is that All Japan has a lot of interesting young talent. They might not be totally ripe yet, but they have interesting young talent. And I do agree with you that maybe the best use of some of these legends is to put those guys over. Maybe that's what they're going to do with Yuma, but uh, it, uh, it came at the expense of a couple of losses for key All Japan guys in at the semifinals and finals. Yeah, I mean, beating Ishikawa is whatever. He's old, <laughs> you know. He's like, <laughs> well, yeah, he's like, he is. Yeah, he's, he's up he's, there. Um, yeah. But Riki Honda, they had beat the champion Yuma yeah. Oyagi. He beat Kento Miyahara, and yeah. then he just lost to Kojima in the finals. And like, I understand that. That's typical tournament booking, having someone eliminate the champion, get a title shot later. Totally get that. But to me, it was the Yuji Nagata one that got me because Yuji Nagata beat Kento Miyahara for the Triple Crown. And I was like, why would you beat your ace? <laughs> that would be like, I, it's not even comparable in New Japan because no one would ever come in and beat Okada. But it, the, the best comparison would be like had Keiji Muto came in and beat Okada. You know, it's like it that. Yeah, it's puzzling because, boy, they've been beating Kento Miyahara a lot lately uh, in, in some key situations. And, you know, uh, you can you can only beat your ace so many times. He's not your ace anymore. And he should be. He's one of the most talented human beings on the face of this friggin' earth. And I do not exaggerate. Kento Miyahara is great. And uh, it, it is puzzling just how they've decided to just beat him as often as they have in the last year in key situations. Yeah, I'm sure Kojima wins the title and Kento's triple crown champion again at this rate. So <laughs> I'm sure that's the that's the plan again because, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I just don't get it. I never will get it with these companies. Like, I think I, I, I try my best to watch everything. I don't watch as closely as, like, you know, I don't watch every single All Japan show, but I'll watch key matches. Uh, same with Noah, same with, like, Dragon Gate. I'll never understand some of the ways these companies run with the older folks. You know, I mean, as someone who watches stardom, I complain about one old older person winning <laughs> and they're not even winning like that important of a match <laughs> most of the time. So it's like, I guess I'm not the right person to ask. Own and I, yeah, it's, it is kind of curious. And, you know, you get into the thing with Noah too, just as a, 
bit of a digression. You love but... Keiji Muto, though, so that's okay. That well, okay. you know, but <laughs> one, you know, certainly one of the all timers. But the thing with Noah, I, I'm I'm surprised at how either little power they have or how deferential they are to New Japan. To I personally wouldn't have let one of my top guys go over to the G1 without at least making the damn playoffs. Yeah, and I would have just said, you know, you can beat him in the quarters, you know, but at least have him up there with the top eight, you know, you know, show something. And I and and then was an MVP candidate for most of that tournament. Oh, he was terrific in that tournament. And then when they have done these joint shows, man, it's just New Japan guy over New Japan guy over over over. Like, no, I just when they have that big thing with the Mudo retirement show, such as this. Uh, his, the first annual retirement show for Keiji Muto, but the and he's uh, done but, well so far. He's done well. The night so far. <laughs> well, yeah, he's lasted longer than Cactus Jack did. That's fair. But the uh, the low bar to jump over, but nevertheless, so far he's <laughs> hanging on. But I, when I watched that show, the only thing I could think of was any fans who came and weren't hadn't seen the Noah guys, the only thing they walked out of that building thinking was, hmm, well, they're not as good as the New Japan guys, are they? I'll go to their Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's puzzling. Yeah. I, I know they have the power because they have the crowds and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, boy, it, it just seems like they're pretty uh, deferential to, to New Japan when I don't feel like they always need to be. No, no, they do not. All right. So uh, we had another show announced. Uh, we're going to go into that here real quick. And uh, there is another show. Now, they're going to Las Vegas on October 25th. I will be in attendance. I'm excited. But uh, they will. Julia. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm amped up about that one and uh, anxious to see Eddie Kingston, who uh, is somebody that I, I'm excited about seeing. For the first time in person, I haven't been in the, I haven't been able to see Eddie in person before. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Hopefully we get. Uh, possibly that Hanare title match that is set up, you know, uh, but then they're coming to Dallas area, the uh, DFW area that is announced uh, for November 10th at the Curtis Caldwell Center. So Vegas on the 28th and then November 10th for the, the Dallas show. So we'll have to see some of those strong uh, guys. I'd imagine will be part of, uh, of those shows, but uh, no, no matches announced for those yet, but that is something that has uh, just come up. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the next thing, Scott, unless there was anything else you wanted to add, and, and by all means, please, uh, but uh, I thought we would talk a little bit at the tail end of the show here about the situation with each of the New Japan titles and where their next challenge might come from. So uh, unless yeah. you had something else to add earlier, which I'm, I'm all ears. I, I The only thing I have to add, because yeah, I've, been asked by, I've been asked about it, um, I've looked around, I've, I've studied very closely, is that Historic crossover still has hope. If anyone's wondering, we there's might get another hope. one. There's still hope for it because right now, Stardom has a weekend at the end of November wide open in their schedule, mm. um, which is New Japan hasn't announced that far ahead yet. So mm -hmm. there is hope. Uh, they have the 25th and 26th wide open. They do have a show announced already for December 2nd. So. My hope is that is the weekend they're looking at for another historic crossover event. You think they don't just take weekends off? Yeah, well, that's true. That's when they do their shows. So uh, you think maybe Oda Ward Gymnasium, something along that lines, as far as the building goes, or something like that? Yeah, I mean, what did they do last year? Over five thousand, right? They did pretty. They did near six thousand. That the thing for me is they have to do it again. Like it yeah, was such a success in terms of attendance and. I think feedback, I think a lot of people loved it. Um, 
you you got to give it another shot. And I uh, I've just been keeping my eyes on that because I think I think it would be silly not to do it one more time. And the fact that they've left that weekend open is uh, gives me hope. It's encouraging. And uh, Colin mentions, I hope they do it. Yeah, I think we all do. It was such an artistic success. It was a really fun show to watch. And there are still loose ends to tie up on that. In fact, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Taichi on his YouTube uh, page. Had oh, a, I sure uh, did. Had a date, had a, his dream date, maybe literally I, with Tam Nakano. I posted a tweet about it. How, how Tam, well, no, because this is the thing. I I think it ended up with like a thousand <laughs> likes and so many dunks on Tai Chi because Tam Nakano pretty much said, yeah, I'm good. I love pro wrestling. And I was like, oof, that's tough, Tai Chi, uh, which was very funny. I was like, see, Tam's just a real wrestler. She's like, my, my first love is wrestling and my fans. And I was like, damn. Sorry, 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 man. <laughs> you tried. It's a tough one. I, you know, Taichi shoots for the stars, though. I mean, when your last girlfriend was a Miss Universe contestant, I mean, Miho Abe. I mean, you know, it's, a, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, there aren't too many places to go up, but Tam was one of them, and uh, he tried. And, uh, he no world champion. No world champion for him. And by the way, if you if you followed uh, Miho Abe's uh, Twitter account, don't do it at work. Uh, things have gone a little <laughs> strange. You know, things have gone weird over there. So I don't think we're going to be seeing her in New Japan anytime soon. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, that was uh, that was one, but uh, very entertaining, by the way. His dream date with uh, Tam. What was it? A sea otter date? Is that the thing? That <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was something. All right. Uh, Taiichi, what are we going to do with you, buddy? Love you. Uh, one of the more creative people in pro wrestling, not just with the the uh, YouTube feed, but also with some of his stipulations for King of Pro Wrestling and all that. I, I, I've really enjoyed Taiichi's work for the last year, and I enjoyed this too, so. Yeah, we got some title matches to talk about, so let's go ahead and do that. And uh, yeah, so we're talking about, we'll just start at the very top. We have uh, a lot of these matches We are going to be taking place at the two biggest destruction shows. We're going to break this down with Jeremy as well next week and get his thoughts on them. But we have uh, Destruction in Kobe, and uh, destruct, that's September 24th, and then Destruction at Ryugoku, where they come back to Sumo Hall. Before each one, we'll get a couple of weeks of house show run-up events, and uh, Rio Goku will be October 9th. So that's how uh, a lot of these will take place, but not all of them. So we have Sonata, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He has a date with Evil at Destruction and Rio Goku on October 9th. And uh, just, Scott, my thought on this one is, you know, that I have been vocally unimpressed with Sonata's run as IWGP World Champion. And uh, Evil was the last guy that had an unimpressive run as the champion. I don't see this as anything as a stopover on the way to Sonata versus Naito, which is the big money match they have to do with the LIJ connections uh, here. So to me, I, I don't see any way Evil comes anywhere near that title, uh, in, in my opinion anyway. I don't see Sonata losing before the Dome. But uh, change my mind. Your thoughts on it? Do you agree? Or wh wh where do you think this one's going? I do have a hot take oh, for this, and I do, and it is that I think booking this match is very smart. Okay, because there's one heel here that mm -hmm. I think can really aid Sonata in his route to the dome, and that is evil. You know, because the the one good thing about evil, and listen, I know a lot of people hate House of Torture, especially. Western fans hate yeah. House of Torture. They do their job very well. 
You know, like they do exactly what they're supposed to do. And when they lose, it's some of the best moments of the tournament, <laughs> of whatever it may be. And I think ultimately this is a great, uh, I don't want to say dart throw, but it's a great attempt at trying to get Sonata some steam behind him ahead of Wrestle Kingdom because he needs it. He does need it. But I have to say that I agree with you on House of Torture, and this is something that I have done begrudgingly over the last few weeks. Not that they're starting to win me over because I don't think this is something New Japan does well, the ref bumps and the, the interference. No, and no. Especially because there doesn't seem to be a line. Like there's there's blatant use of chairs and weapons in other matches where the referee doesn't seem to mind, but for some reason for House of Torture, we have to do awkward ref bumps to get to anyway, yeah. it's not consistent. However, here's what I can't deny. This is a company that is supposed to be selling tickets to people in Japan. And the people that bought tickets at the end of G1 were into this stuff. You can't deny that those reactions were pretty loud toward the end. I think what may have happened is when House of Torture was competing for the trios titles, when they're competing for low stakes stuff, I think the crowd was just like, "Ugh, you know, I, I don't need this because yeah. they're waiting for a big main event match. Well, when the stakes are high, now we're talking about the G1. Now we're talking about the Tokyo Dome main event. We're talking about the world title. Suddenly that stuff takes on a little more heat. And it sure. does seem like they got a lot more reaction. I can't deny that. And if the fans are into it, for the love of God, keep doing it. Because if there's one thing New Japan needs to do is get that attendance back up. And, and they've really struggled with that. It's trended in the right direction, but they took some steps back during G1. So if it works, keep going. And I can't really argue with it with any good conscience. I'll say, I'll say this. I think if you look at AEW, for example, right? MJF's switch to babyface has been one of the smartest things they could have done. He's the most over wrestler in their company, finally, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And he was last year at this time when he returned as a babyface. But you know, CM, <laughs> CM Punk and the Elite had to fight, and that threw that all by the wayside. My point is, there's going to be a time where evil is a babyface again. Yeah, And I think the crowd's going to love it when that finally happens. I understand why they haven't done it yet, because they finally got crowds, and when the crowds get to react, it's so much better for House of Torture overall. But I just want to say that, like, I just want to put that out there, because I thought when David Finley and Evil faced off, that was a potential spot to do it. They yeah. just had a crappy match instead, and I was in pain. But, yeah. you know, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, so I hope that's like something that they consider because I do think there is still there's still a lot of stock in House of Torture, even if we don't like it all the time. Um, they're doing their jobs. And to just throw something out and a little chum in the water, see if anything bites it. But the idea is evil loses to Sonata here at destruction. That same night, we're gonna talk about it. Never open weight title, David Finlay against Tamatonga. What if David Finlay has a, an adverse reaction to evil failing once again against Sonata. And perhaps that puts the friction in where he kicks evil out of bullet club for just playing failing too often. You guys are bunglers. You know, I, I don't take losers here, that type of thing. 
And then we get the whole kind of evil going back at Finlay for the Never Open Way title eventually. So that could be some direction Kingdom. to go there. At Wrestle Kingdom, perhaps with the baby face evil. Could be. Yeah, I mean, I would be more interested in that than like almost any other David Finley match you're going to give me at Wrestle Kingdom. So, and I would love to see Milano Collection AT that happy again. That's all I all, really that's, all I'm here for. That's true. That's very true. And plus, the ring announcer will be relieved not to have to take that bump every night, by the way. Oh, I would be. I would surely be. I have a question about I want to know who that guy is. The, the but because they keep calling him Watanabe and things, and that's evil's real name is Watanabe. Mm. And I, I just, I wonder if they're actually related or something like that's why like, it's been a rib. That would, that would make I, so much have, more sense. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that by the way, I, that, that I, I may have just made all of that up, but I, not that his name's Watanabe, but evil's name is Watanabe. But uh, yeah. And so never open weight title. Like I mentioned, David Finlay and Tama Tonga destruction, Rio Goku on October 9th. I don't see them going back to Tama Tonga on this one. And I think they're the, the, the push, shove really for david finlay is still underway as they try to can you know and he's <sighs> he's doing his job but he needs a little more steam doesn't he as the leader of the bullet club which is an important position within new japan as their song says these dogs are not for real i cannot stand the war dogs you're not a fan the, of this the best guys. bullet club is an AEW. i don't know how that happens uh, but it's true well, Jay White's pretty special, and and, yeah. and Juice is really good too. So I love uh, Juice. I love yeah. Juice. Uh, but yeah, I I don't I know why they're running this match back, but I don't know. I feel I feel like Finley could have benefited from a different opponent. You know, like isn't this the only person he's had this belt against? And El Fantasma. Yes. Yeah, um, El Fantasma. Like I feel like getting disconnected from bullet club only stories because ultimately that's still the tamatanga connection in many ways in my brain would benefit him like give him a shingo or mm. something that would have been better but that would be a good thing for shingo to do also that that's that's also i, I mean i mentioned the evil thing but again i don't have any inside information they're going to switch evil after this but shingo would be a good dome opponent for finlay just as, as somebody who could have a hell of a match against him and and put him over that that might help david finlay a lot the, what, shingo in that spot. whatever means i don't have to see shingo in the rambo i am in for because i'm right. terrified of that he's way too good for that we, we've seen ishii stuck in that for a long time but you know i'm especially on when it's a one night uh when it's a one night wrestle kingdom somebody really good is going to end up in that rambo because there just aren't enough uh slots there for everybody uh but I agree with you. I think that Shingo would be a better use of that. So now an interesting one here is the US slash UK title. Now this is how they're, the designation on this is funny. It is the US with UK in parentheses title now. And we have a match for it at Destruction in Kobe. Will Ospreay against Yoda Suji. We mentioned that Zack Sabre Jr. has made overtures about challenging the winner at Royal, Cre uh, Royal Quest 3, which is going to be in London on October 14th. Uh, so, you know, both he and Will will have title matches. We're going to get to Zack's here in a little bit. So I kind of feel the real match for this belt is that one uh, against Zack at Royal Quest 3. So I feel like Osprey is going to win. Yoda, I, I feel like his push is coming, but he, I think he's going to be—he's going to keep hitting his head on the ceiling there until some of these uh, main event guys kind of clear out of the company. Because I, I don't see them putting him over Will 
here, and he, he keeps kind of getting to the precipice and losing. I had originally pitched Yoda Suji, Will Ospreay for Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. I thought that would have made so much more sense. Will's on his way out, drops the belt there. Suji's a star. Then they did it here, and I was like, ooh, okay. I think Yoda Suji definitely loses again, which is tough for him because I don't think he should be losing this much. Like I just feel like the way you debuted him, you he should already be at the top, truthfully. Um, but I mean, it's probably going to be the best match of his life. <laughs> That's the one benefit, right? He yeah. probably is going to. And I, I and here's my like one critique of the greatness of Yoda Suji because he's been great so far. Is that I still think he needs to. And this this goes for any young wrestlers. He still needs to put together the longer matches, if that makes sense. Like he still needs to make them work because he just does so many amazing moves. Mm-hmm. And he's facing a guy, I think, in Will, who had to put that together. Right. Yes. So it's almost yep. perfect matchup for him to learn that way. Had the um, exact same journey. Yeah. And I, I hope Suji has a big match at Wrestle Kingdom. I keep looking to Wrestle Kingdom because at the end of the day, that's what all these matches are leading to. Yep. I hope that, you know, the Sujis and the shooters, they have something because it would be a real shame if they didn't. They have to have something. Maybe it's against one another. Um, but Will's got to put someone big over on his way out. And I'm assuming that won't be until after Royal Quest, even. I, mm-hmm. Unless he puts over Zach, which would very much confuse me, um, just be, just because I feel like New Japan's New Japan's booking is they have this top foreign talent who puts someone over at Wrestle Kingdom with a title on the line, Kenny Omega, Jay White, Will Ospreay. That's that's the more traditional part of New Japan, right there. Is the foreigner losing in the the huge match? That's the that is a that's very traditional. That goes back to enough. But uh, yeah, and speaking of that, Zach's title match it's against Bolton Oleg on yes. uh, September eighth, Corican uh, Hall. So that's going to be the first show back of, of that tour. Corican Hall, Bolton Oleg, Zach Saber Jr. for the television title. Intriguing, especially if they're going to end up putting that U.S. U.K. title on Zach. Maybe you don't need the TV title anymore. Now, there you could go a bunch of different ways with this. Zach has been a brilliant television champion. It's just brilliant with this belt. So it's tempting to just say, well, leave it on him because, I mean, it's working like hell. Yeah. The original idea of this title was that the matches were going to be on social media where you could see them and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, on television and on social media. But uh, it was going to be stated expressly for younger wrestlers. It wasn't going to be an official like under 25 title or anything like that, but that was kind of the idea. Mm-hmm. Question for you. Is this where we see the big trigger? Are they going to put over Bolton Oleg here and really launch this young lion? Are we seeing a new dawn in young lionism or is uh, or is Zach going to get the win here? Um, I'm leaning 65% towards Zach, but I'm not as sure as I used to be, especially it, when I heard about the Royal Quest thing. It would be the ballsiest thing gato has done yeah in a very long time really um, so that means i don't think he's gonna do it uh, <laughs> I agree with that's why i'm 65 i was just like i don't yeah. think he, i think he wants I, to write it down i like his pen is sitting there like to yeah. put the little x next to him and he's like i can't I, do it I, like i don't know how you look at bolton oleg if they get anything but major star down the line like that he is a i think he's just gonna be a difference maker for them because he's so unique and like he's just a guy they haven't had Mm -hmm. um a good outing here that's enough right like in many ways that's enough for him to get over 
And he's, I think he's in there with the perfect guy to help him and guide him through there. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. And I, I was thinking about it, right? We were talking. I was just, just saying how Yoda Suji needs to work on the longer match. That being said, what title would maybe be perfect for him to win in yep. the meantime? The 15-minute yep. time limit match. So maybe that's a spot. If if Zach were to lose here, which I'm gonna guess he does, I'm gonna guess he does win, and then he just goes into that match with Osprey as a champion, looking to become a du double champion. So but, do you think do you think Osprey wins at Royal Quest and carries that thing into the dome? I do, I do. I think they want to give that big Osprey Zach match as is a one night Royal Quest this year, right? Yeah. Not two. That's yeah, right. So, so far, yeah. So I think that's what they just prefer to do is give that big match because you know you're going to get the hottest crowd possible for those two in the ring one more time. Because, you know, again, with Osprey, we don't know when or if that will happen again anytime down the road. Um, and I do think Zach will just go into Wrestle Kingdom with the TV title. I think they give him a year at least. I think I would give him a year. I think he's earned it. Oh yeah, I, he's the things he has done for that that belt. That belt matters. It flat out yeah. matters. Like when he wrestled Jeff Cobb for it, I cared. And if you had told me that we're going to create another belt that you care <laughs> about in New Japan, I just said you're nuts. Half that company has a title, and uh, yeah, yet he's absolutely made it work. And and you know it's 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 almost like the New Japan version of Orange Cassidy, who again a place that's littered with belts all over the place, and yet people care about that international title because Orange has done such a great job. Might main event a pay per view. Well, he's going to have to. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they have well, Kenny. They can always lean on Kenny if they want. Yeah, it cracks me up so much. This is going to be a quick digression on this, but I was just laughing that they obviously half-ass booked this show in Chicago because they were focused on All In. And you As know that in the yeah. office they were just saying, well, we're going to have Punk. It'll be fine in Chicago. <laughs> that was the plan. It was him and Ricky Starks. Yeah, oh, yeah. No problem. That, that'll draw. Well, yeah, Punk, it's fine. People will care. And then they'll show up to watch. Uh, they'll show up to watch Punk. Dog in the ring, yeah, no, no, yeah, it'll be fine. And then Jungle Boy was a big fan of Justin Timberlake and saying Cry Me a River on TV, and everything changed. Oh, Jack, Jack, what are we gonna do with you, Jack? Oh boy, he was back um, to being Jungle Boy in that moment. You know, he and he and AR Fox are probably in a pretty good doghouse right now. I'm hope I, by the way, a side note, I'm hoping that AR Fox, I'm hoping that I understand why they're pissed at him. It was a he didn't, you know, if all the reports are that he didn't get his passport ironed out on time or whatever, that was kind of a knucklehead move. Yeah. But uh, I, I do hope, I, I think the guy's talented enough that I hope that things die down. They think, oh, well, just don't do it again. You know, just, you know, come on back. Don't do yeah. We'll see. He'll be on Ring of Honor. AEW <laughs> <laughs> NXT. So uh, the King of Pro Wrestling title, that is uh, our, our guy Taichi. He is uh, going to be facing off with show somewhere. Uh, there, but uh, no stipulations announced yet for that one. I believe that one's going to be at uh, in uh, Ryu Goku. But uh, yeah, Taichi against Show. We don't know what kind of cookie uh, stipulations they'll be using for that one. But uh, I, you know, I can't even try to get myself hyped for that one <laughs> just because there's no stipulation yet. Yeah, we'll have to see where they go with it. I'd imagine the preview tags are probably going to tell us quite a bit about what the direction they're leaning. So, uh, and then after that, though, uh, the IWGP World Tag Team. Now, this is, this one is interesting. Bishamon really turned into one of the best teams and one of the better teams in the world. I'm not going to put them all the way up there at the top, but, boy, they've been really good. Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. And they're going to be facing off with another team that is should be in the discussion more than they are. Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols, TMDK. That's September 24th, Destruction in Kobe. 
This one is an honest to goodness coin flip, Scott. I can I have talked myself into each team winning this match more than once. Uh, and of course, the tag team titles can bounce around a little bit. That's kind of what they're for. It's okay if they do, but I'll bet this is one hell of a contest. Yeah, I think the conversation for me would be like, if Bishamon wins, who do you give the belts to? Right. Because I think I think TMDK raised their stock so much by you know just putting on as much effort as they could in that G1, right? Like they, they really did such a great job at proving a lot of people wrong. I thought Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols did that. And their last tag match, who did they face? I can't remember. It was so good though. Um, uh, my bad. Oh, was it Aussie Open? Aussie Open. Yeah, they, yeah, they had the, yeah, they that had match. The that match was great. Yeah. I would give the belts to TMDK here. Why not? Like you said. Like they, they switch around all the time. Yeah. And part of it is they do like to keep gold in the various factions. So that's, mm. that's the other thing. So uh, chaos has, you know, the, the, that's, they've kind of been carrying the gold for chaos lately, although they have the trios titles too. So does, that's, that's Okada just doing nothing this entire tour. No, Okada is mostly in preview tags and then they do have a trios uh, title match in there. So, all right. So. It's the old guys. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll get to that one in a second. Uh, Colin says TMDK need to win this. Bishamon have had their time. And then uh, Flaming Shark. Hey, Flaming Shark. Good to see you. Uh, love to see TMDK win the tag titles, but I kind of think they keep it on Bishamon and TMDK get another shot after winning tag league and win it then. So Bishamon have the spot at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, well, I mean, you know, there's, there's thought. Uh, I wonder, I also wonder about, I, I would kind of worry about Kid and Coglin in the the tag league uh, that being uh, uh, getting another push there, but they have the strong titles. So I don't know. It, it, we're not in the we're not in the most uh, we're not in the strongest tag team era right now for for New Japan. Uh, these are they two very good teams. Big, but what the end of last year for like ten seconds there, and then yeah. Aussie Open got signed away. Yeah, but again, that that's a long term deal, and I can't blame Tony for giving it to him because they they're they're my. I have a pitch. Bad. Go ahead, Yoda Suji and Shingo. I think that would be a great team. Yeah, I'd be all in on that. I would I would love to see them uh, see them team up. And actually, you know, I know that they still want to do things with uh, Naito, of course, and then Naito is going to be main eventing the Dome and may even get another run as the World Heavyweight Champion, but. His future might be in tag teams the way Goto is, you know, because mm. boy, you can work a 15 minute match and work seven or eight minutes of it. And that's yeah. not a bad deal for someone as banged up as he is in the future, too. Him and Suji maybe have the young guy kind of lead the way. Mm. Him and Hiromu, even. I wouldn't be upset with that at all. No, that'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be, a that'd lot be fun the biggest work. draw of a tag team. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that would do very, very well. Yeah, so there are a lot of directions they could go. Hmm. Speaking of those trios titles, we have Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Kazushi Okada. And now they have a challenge like they have never seen before here, Scott. I don't know how <laughs> they're going to manage to retain. I'm just going to put Sonata up there for this one. But here we go. We have the challengers, Tiger Mask, Hiroshi Tenzan, and Togi Makabe. Who you got in this one? <laughs> Okada in two minutes. <laughs> I almost got I almost got through that one with a straight face. What the hell are they gonna do here? Like Okada in two minutes would be the best option possible. That would be like he just like walks in there is like really, <laughs> you know, like really this is what we're gonna do. Okay, I left Yoshinoya then... for this. I left Yoshinoya for this. Yeah, like uh, I, I can't believe that this is the match. 
I don't know where this came from. This this really just looks like it's dropped out of outer space. Because, I mean, Tiger Mask has done nothing but do jobs, really, or be in, just be a guy in matches for a long time. Same with Makabe. Tenzan kind of sort of got over as kind of a nostalgia thing, and but he looked terrible. I mean, that was, he, he literally cannot run. He is uh, the worst of the old guys because he can't yeah. move. Yeah, Nagata and Kojima are good wrestlers still to this day yeah. and, and can work, but all the nerve damage and just the the injuries that have piled up with Tenzan, I don't get this one. I but so, you know, you know, so I, I wish I wish they put Homa in this. At least I've seen Homa have like a good match yeah. of the past couple of years. Like, yeah, I, this one's puzzling, but there it is. So then it's going to be the junior heavyweight title. So coming off of uh, oh, by the way, Colin Matthews says have uh, Shota Umino and Ren Narita win the tag league. That's <laughs> I, I think we're more likely to see a big grudge match at the dome between those two than anything else. But uh, I will uh, say, I will say the funny someday, thing by the way, that's going to happen. By the way, that's gonna, they're going to be tag team champions together. Someday. Oh yeah. The funny thing about that trios match, yeah, is that Okada went from being the get my kids off the lawn to being the kid of the match. Yeah. Now. <laughs> oh shit, he's going to be the youngest guy in that match by a lot. <laughs> he's gonna be... by like a decade at least. Oh, that's too funny. I always said that my whole thing about the angry Okada is that, uh, you know, he had his wife had the baby around G1 in 2022 and that he probably hasn't had more than four hours of sleep since he's just pissy. It's always been my theory on Okada. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So coming off the angle at Multiverse United and the All-Star Junior Festival, our uh, our man Hiromu here has a title match set up. So they they did two nights worth of stuff to kind of set this thing up. Mike Bailey. Uh, won the junior festival tournament, the little four-man thing they did there. Uh, so he challenged Hiromu, and then Leo Rush made the challenge the following night. We're going to get this one at Destruction Rio Goku on October 9th, and that's probably going to be phenomenal. As of January 5th, 2024, they'll probably be my two favorite foreign wrestlers in uh, New Japan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I don't expect Osprey to be around anymore. Um, this should be great. Yeah. Like what a what a nice surprise. What what a way to use the multiverse united shows to book something. Right. Yeah, no, I was impressed with this, especially because I, I thought All-Star Junior Festival is just a, a mishmash of things. But to come out of that thinking that I was going to see Mike Bailey and Hiromu, I wasn't going to complain about that either. If mm-hmm. it were just one on one, you throw Leo in there and uh you know take my money. I'm good. I'm happy. Yeah. Rio Goku, uh, October 9th. That should be great. Another one that night is the junior heavyweight tag titles, Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors against the Jet Setters. That's Kevin Knight and Kushida, Destruction Rio Goku on October 9th. I don't expect Kevin Knight and Kushida to win this thing. Uh, Kushida is basically a part-timer. Kevin Knight is mostly a, a strong guy. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, just not how he's used right now. And I think they're going to keep champions. pushing. They're going to keep pushing Bullet Club, I think, though. I, I feel yeah. like, of course, that's another title that can bounce around, too. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, Kevin Knight, that's another guy I think you could really do things with in the future as a singles as soon as he puts everything together because the athleticism, the look, the talking, uh, once he gets a he gets enough experience that he can put together a strong 20-minute match, I mean, what's there's nothing this guy can't do. He screams to me someone who's going to be a great junior and then build himself up to heavyweight down the mm. line. Yeah. I know he's a little shorter, but he's he's built. He's pretty, you know, he's pretty, listen, Zack Sabre Jr. has been a heavyweight his entire career pretty, pretty much. So anyone yeah. can be a heavyweight. Um, <laughs> I, think Kevin, I think Kevin Knight is like one of their best prospects. 
So anytime he gets these opportunities, I thought he was the I thought he was arguably the best of the junior festival. I loved seeing him get that final spot. Like when I saw him get speedballs, like, well, there's no shot you're winning, but I'm happy you got that spot. Um, and you know, he's had the title before, and then putting him with Kashida, that doesn't hurt him either. They clearly are high on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even bringing him back this soon is good. And they have the junior tag league coming up. So I'm guessing right. he'll be in that too. But I do think uh, you keep Bullet Club rolling. The War yeah. Dogs or whatever they're called. The War Dogs, yes. And uh, <laughs> both both Flaming Shark and Colin are excited about the uh, junior heavyweight uh, match mm-hmm. with uh, Leo Hiromo and uh, Bailey. Uh, Flaming Shark says, what a wild match for Rio Goku. And Colin says, can't wait for this one. Yeah, I agree, guys. We're, we're fired up as well. Now, the new NJPW Strong title. Now, there's nothing official for Eddie Kingston. Uh, He just defended that title on uh, Dynamite there against Wheeler, Utah. Uh, But he will be in Las Vegas on October 28th. And, uh, of course, they have been setting things up with Hanare coming out of the G1 where they attacked one another late. So uh, my fingers are a little bit crossed that I might get to see Hanare challenge him there. I think that would be a terrific match. Hanare is really showing signs of being good at that kind of brawling style. He and Shingo have really pulled out some some good stuff lately so i think he'd be a real good opponent for eddie i'm happy with anything that involves eddie kingston that's like that's where i'm at like when i saw he was randomly defending his wheel you and i was like yeah let's go here we go and i was like i don't know sure why not like and he's teaming with shibata at all out and i was like they're just giving this guy like the dream run right now and i am not upset (laughs) like just keep (laughs) rolling him back out there the more you can get him to japan the better i know it's not going to be a lot um but I mean, he's got a number of challengers because of the J1. So I would like mm-hmm. to see him face as many people as possible. The NJPW Strong Tag Team titles El Fantasmo and Hikaleo are uh, challenging Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin at Destruction Rio Goku on October 9th. There's too fin- many titles. Yeah. Yeah. That's. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, same thing with Bullet Club. I just don't see them taking these off of Bullet Club for Fantasmo and Hikaleo at this point. I, I just. That, Phantasmo and Hikaleo, again, tag team titles can bounce around, but Phantasmo and Hikaleo seem like an, an odd couple that's actually odd. It's I like both guys, and I think they both had, and they, they are definitely high on Hikaleo. They proved that. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, maybe they do put him over. Heck, maybe give him a short run. Either way, flip a coin, I guess. Uh, uh, I had to see Hikaleo go to the quarterfinals. That was enough push for me. Okay? We, we can stop here. Uh, I was not impressed because of the block he was in. That's the part that angered me. Because it's like, yeah. oh, Kaito, oh, he showed up, oh, you, you know, uh, Suji, nah, Hikaleo. Oh, okay, sounds good, Gato. Um, yeah, they're not gonna win here. I think you nailed it with the, the there's teams that you know are mix and match, and then there's this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, okay, sure. Kind of came out of nowhere. So, yeah. And then uh, let's go into this one now. The, the NJPW Strong Women's Title. Again, nothing announced, but uh, Julia is going to be in Vegas on October 25th. She's defending it this weekend. And she, Yeah, she's defending who, who is the challenger this weekend again? Risa Sarah. Risa Sarah. Okay. Well, there you okay, go. Uh, we win. Yeah, hell of a match. And she's going to win that one. Risa Sarah is not going to take yeah. that title. But no. uh, any thoughts from any thoughts, any at all uh, on who you think might she might face in Vegas? Or could be somebody from the U.S., I guess. It's possible. Stephanie Vaquet. Stephanie. Of CMLL. I take that. I take that. They put her, They once they showed her on the video for that show, I said, well, that's got to be it. You know, you don't just show her and 
only Julia. Like I just I feel like that's the match you do. I think Stephanie Vaquer had such a great showing against Mercedes Monet yeah. months ago at that uh I forget what the show was, but it was for the strong women's title tournament. Right. Um and I think she should definitely get that shot. My idea is you have Julia Beerisa Sarah, which should be fantastic. I think that's main eventing on Sunday. Um, that's a pack show, by the way. If anyone wants to go listen to the five star Joshi show, that'll be out uh, tomorrow. I'm just saying. Absolutely. I previewed, previewed the show. Yeah. Um, uh, Stephanie Vacare, and then maybe finally, hopefully, we set up Mercedes Monet, but maybe there's one more defense before that. Too. Make sure you check out the Fight Game Media Patreon, guys. It's worth it just for Scott's show, let alone all the things that go on there. But if you wouldn't want to know anything about Joshi Wrestling, we really have one uh, right here I'm talking to, one of the foremost authorities on that entire industry right here on this show. And his, and his show is uh, part of that Fight Game Media Network and is absolutely worth the money all by itself, let alone everything Best else $5 in the business. <laughs> Second best. I know Fightful Select's also $5. Yeah. And I have a lot of scoops, so that's tough to combat. But you know, I know. you're being very much. Well, there you go. <laughs> I uh, work for both. Yeah, that's, that's true. Either that's way. <laughs> now, I, I have a question about this one. What do you think is next for uh, Mayu Iwatani uh, the IWGP Women's Title? Nothing's announced there either. But any thoughts on that? Because she was just beaten by Natsuko Tora in the mm-hmm. Five Star Grand Prix, but Natsuko also beat Tam Nakano, and she seems yes. to have her eyes set on the Red Belt, the World yeah. of Stardom Title, more than the IWGP. So, what do you think might happen with Mayu? Yeah, so I'm my guess is Tora definitely goes for the world title. I think that's kind of locked. That will be one of the two defenses Tam has before the big year end show. When it comes to Mayu, it's like it's the most unpredictable thing, right? Because like for a while there, it looked like Mariah May might get a shot. They were teasing that for a few months, and that just never happened. Um, Mayu's also lost to Natsupoi. That's a match that I think you would be so smart to put that. on yeah, yeah. any card because I think I think Natsupoi is like someone that any fan can get into because she's such a good baby face and she's just obviously a fantastic wrestler. Um, I was thinking about Poi real quick. Poi, I mean, it just certainly like the, she has the fairy presentation and the Bi Poi thing that everybody likes. Uh, by the way, Shinobu Kandori doing the What's Bi Poi thing was great. That was so uh, good. <laughs> going right, going right along with it perfectly, but. Uh, she's almost like stardom Shingo Takagi is that she just has great match, great match, great match, yeah, great match. Yeah. And you can make her a champion, but you almost don't need to. And, and, mm-hmm. but, but she's just somebody that every single time Shingo yeah. Takagi gets in the ring, I'm paying attention. And she's like that for start. And then stardom has a lot of great workers, but that's kind of that spot where you're just like any point match. I'm just, yeah. I, I end up leaving thinking, man, that might've been the best match of the night. She just does it over and over again. Yeah, she is, and not to take this over with full-on Joshi talk, but I'm here, so it had to happen. Yeah, I know. To me, like, I think she is getting set up to take over for Tam when she ultimately moves on from, I mean, Tam said she was going to retire three years. She said three or two or three years ago she was going to retire in two years. She's now world champion, so I don't believe anything Tam says. But eventually, (laughs) I think Natsupoi is going to take on that huge role of filling her shoes. And I think she is as perfect as anyone to take on that role. Um, like you said, a Shingo Takagi comparison is perfect. Obviously they're very different style wrestlers, but they have the same mindset of you put them out there in a big match. They're going to not only deliver, but probably steal the show nine times mm-hmm. out of 10, you know, and that we've seen that in the five-star Grand Prix. Uh, but back to the Mayu thing, like it's, it's very unpredictable. 
I think she defends she if there's a historic crossover show. Yeah. That's probably her next defense. Yeah. And if she could probably not, headline it. Yeah. And she could probably headline that. Yeah. Yeah, unless they somehow put Mercedes and Julia on there, which I would highly doubt. But they could if they want to main event that show with them. That, that does feel like the dome, though, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, it would be silly if it wasn't, unless they have multiple ideas in their mind for Mercedes, um, which I hope they do still, sure. even yeah. even if that matches yeah. at the dome. <laughs> uh, but for, for Mayu, if it's not there, it's going to be the year-end show, Dream Queendom because mm. that's their second biggest show of the year, much like we saw with All-Star Grand Queendom earlier this year. Um, there's still a lot of room to make opponents, and then there's, you know, she did draw with Tam. They could just, if they wanted to go crazy, Rossi Ogawa's one to go crazy. They could always just go for another double title match. I wouldn't do it, mm. but it would be one way to get rid of the IWGP title if you didn't want it around anymore. We're still trying to figure out why there are two of these, aren't we? We we never really uh, did. We never really figured out why there's two of these NJPW women's titles. So uh, yeah, that so there we go. All right, well that's a possibility, and we'll have to see what they end up doing with it. Uh, a couple of comments here, I do want to get to because our folks are here. Uh, Flaming Shark, Kevin Knight, definitely one of my favorites of the recently-ish Young Lions. Definitely Gabe Kidd and Suji are my favorites. Okay, fair enough. They're both pretty. They've both been really good. But Knight looks really good whenever I see him. Yeah, he's 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 special and he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he also said they threw Hikaleo a bone because they knew the other young guys will be fine. That's interesting. I'd like to say Hikaleo isn't young. He's like well, 34. He, well, the other thing about Hikaleo <laughs> is I think they want to make him another bad luck Fale type of guy who is Whoa. big. And, well, no, but here's hear me out on Fale. The, the, the thing about Fale is his size, which you can't, again, you can't teach height, right? Yeah. His size is such that you can make a believable case for him beating anybody. So he's almost That's like true. a wild card thrown in. That's and true. it's also when you do that, it means something when you beat him. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that was what Fale always had in singles matches. He spent a lot of his time in tags, but they always took care of him in the G1. He often when it was a an eight person in a block tournament and things, he would score double digits in year after year. They took care of him there so that his losses meant something or somebody would beat him by count out instead of by pinfall. So it, it's just like it, they made him into a difficult mountain to overcome. I think they yeah. want to do that with Hikaleo just because you don't have too many physically imposing guys, although Bolt Nolay could be one of them. So it's just a, just That's my true. thought on Hikaleo. Yeah, I think Bolt Nolay kind of and I hate to toss this name around because it's such an unfair comparison, but like. He could be New Japan's closest thing to like a Lesnar in terms of a freak athlete. So, mm -hmm. well, and you know the the thing is, he's at a much higher level as a wrestler than Brock ever was. I mean, Brock was a national champion. Bolton Oleg, I think, still today, is ranked in the top ten at 125 kilograms in, yeah. in wrestling. That's incredible, by the way. That's nuts. Uh, so there you go. And uh, Flaming Shark also agrees with you on Vicar. Uh, had a great match with Mercedes. I'd be down with that. So yeah, maybe that would be a nice showcase for. Her. And that's something that. You know, that CMLL isn't known for great female workers, uh, yeah. but Stephanie seems like she could be a real outlier and, and, and really yeah. kind of step out of the shadow of some of the, you know, they're. I, yeah. <laughs> I will say the one interesting thing, interesting thing that I've noticed, it seems like the strong title is for outsider town, mm -hmm. no matter what. Because even when Julie is defending it in. Japan, it's people that aren't signed with stardom she's defending against. You was the first person. Now it's Risa Sarah. Neither of these two are signed to the company. Um, 
you know, Momo Kogo is different, but Deanna Perrazzo, Giselle Shaw, right? Mm-hmm. And Willow Nightingale was champion. Should be. I, I like to bring that up. Like the weirdest title reign ever, right? Julia mm-hmm. beat the AEW talent for the title, and then she defended against uh, the Pro Wrestling Eve champion, you. Mm-hmm. Um, then she defended against Impact. Now she's defending against Prominence, and then eventually she's going to defend it against Mercedes Monet, um, and possibly CMLL. So she's she's doing a lot of great things with it, and it feels like the IWGP is more stardom talent. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, seems like it has been. Well, it certainly has been so far. So there you go. It, Two other things that have been going on here. The title shot briefcase. Tetsuya Naito mm-hmm. and Jeff Cobb. That's September 24th, Destruction in Kobe. And then they're doing a special best of seven series. Master Wato, Shota Umino, and Yuji Nagata against Strong Style, uh, Ren Narita, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki. That begins at the Blue Justice Show in Chiba on September 10th. And wouldn't you just happen to guess that that is probably going to end up three to three going into uh, destruction in Rio Goku? I'm just uh, throwing that out there as a possibility. Crazy idea. Crazy so idea. Crazy. I don't know why you'd think that. <laughs> That's uh, just feels like it's it feels about right. So I, I think they're going to just going to have, of course, they're trying to set up this whole thing where. Uh, you have Narita and Shota Umino as a new generation Nagata Suzuki as two guys who can't be in the same building without fighting, you know, like CM Punk in the locker room. So there you go. <laughs> kids these days, I tell you. So uh, yeah, with that in mind, that's kind of what's going on in new Japan right there. We didn't have any shows to review uh, this week. We don't have any shows to review next week. We're kind of in this little quiet period. So uh, when Jeremy returns next week, we'll be, really previewing uh, the road to destruction and a lot of key matches that are going into that. And uh, we'll get his take on some of these title situations that I just talked to Scott about going to a little history as well. I owe him a little bit of a history of Toro Yano. He asked about that as uh, again, my, uh, my affection for Yano from his most violent player days before he was the clown prince. So I'm going to tell him all about that when he was a a mean bastard and not the, the lovable Yano's of today. But uh, the, all that's coming up next week when uh, Jeremy returns. And uh, in the meantime, Scott, uh, l- let everybody know where they can find your work, uh, please. Uh, because, again, uh, we're talking to really one of the foremost authority. I have a ton of respect for what this guy does. So I want to make sure you guys get a, a, a good look at uh, Scott's work. Well, one, I appreciate you having me on the show. Always love talking with you. Um, thank you to Jeremy for having me kind of jump on here. I was always happy to talk, you know. Um, hopefully a crossover show comes up again soon. So there's a reason for, you know, us to combine, right? Um, that, should, that should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to guess there is. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me at Scotty Wrestling on Twitter, X, whatever you prefer to call it. I, to me, it's it's still Twitter with a different logo. Uh, so that's that's what it's going to be. It's still Twitter.com on my uh, on my computer here. So until that yeah. changes, it's it's Twitter. Um, <laughs> Every Friday, Five Star Joshi Show comes out. If you want to learn about the wide world of Joshi this week, uh, we talked Sari versus Risa Nakajima, of course, formerly mm-hmm. known as Saray of WWE. Uh, she had one of the best matches of the year in Seedling, mm-hmm. so a must-see match there. Um, we updated the Five Star Grand Prix, the biggest women's tournament in the world, uh, is going on. We are entering the second half officially this upcoming weekend, which is very exciting. Um, and then we previewed this upcoming weekend, which featured the Five Star Special in Hiroshima. You have yes, yes, yes. Shuri versus Mayu Yutani, Tommy versus Momo, 
Tam versus Starlight Kid. And then, and only then, do you have title matches, including Mirai versus Konami, Julia versus yeah. Risa Sarah, and Sayori Ano and Nasupoi versus Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah. So, packed oh, show there. Packed show next week. I'll be back next week. We'll also be reviewing the Sendai Girls show, which features Kairi as she shuts, uh, closes down her uh, Japan dates ahead of her return to WWE. So, yeah, make sure to check all that out. The one good thing about that Kyrie return to WWE is I think we're going to get Kyrie and EO. Yes. If, if, if Triple H was smart, he'd put it on WrestleMania just for me. <laughs> just for you. Just for you. It, it wouldn't be just for you. It's got to be for me, too. I, I, would yeah, I think it would be for a lot of people, truthfully. But I, I, I'm asking, <laughs> if you're going to take Kyrie away from me, at least give me that. You know, yes, exactly. That's, that's what I'm kind of going with. That that's yeah. I you do not want to EO. Yeah, when I EO don't was need on, to see her feud with Cora Jane for the love of Christ. I, I just want the world to know EO was on her way back before Triple H took power. It was going to happen. It was pretty much locked in, and then you took her away from us. At least you gave her a title though. So it's okay. yeah, yes, yeah. They they have treated her well since she's been back. I'll say that they've they've done pretty well. Thankfully, with that. she's had that card is indeed incredible. Time. Flaming Shark and, and Colin says it'll always be Twitter. Well, you're right. All right, so we're going to wrap this one up for this week, and we'll be back again with Jeremy again next week. For Scott Edwards, I'm Stephen Conway. Thank you once again for everyone that was watching on YouTube, those of you that are listening to the podcast feed. We're very grateful that you've taken some time to be with us today on Speaking of Strong Style, and we will talk to you again very soon.